Hi, I'm Dr. Fred Silva of Arcana Laboratories, coming to you from Little Rock, Arkansas, with the first installment of Throwback Thursday. This is a short history of electron microscopy. Whoever knows who was first at anything, for example, the light microscope. Stigler's law suggests that nothing is really named after the first person who invented something, but a later person. Stigler even suggested that that thought was introduced by somebody else first, but he got to name it. There is an old saying that success has many fathers, and there are some that claim that the invention of the electron microscope was theirs. That was settled later, as we'll see at the end. There is some controversy as who came up first with the electron microscope, but we're going to start with Ernst Ruschka for reasons you'll see later. He was a German who studied electronics, high-voltage instruments, and vacuums. Beginning in 1931, working with a magnetic coil, he developed an electron lens which, using electrons, was a thousand times shorter wavelength than normal light seen by the human eye and thus could detail things at a much higher magnification. Ernst, realizing that his college institution could not bring to full fruition the many instruments that he wanted to commercialize, he went into industry and developed the first transmission electron microscope in 1933. In 1939, Siemens built the first commercially available electron microscope, but then, of course, World War II started, everything came to a halt, became a secret, uh, or whatever. It is said that one of the very first uses of EM for human disease, if not the first, was in kidney disease, especially to determine what was going on in so-called lipoid nephrosis, again, who was really first. Nephrosis was a term coined by Mueller in 1905 to distinguish a type of renal disease from inflammation and nephritis, as it was called. Monk, in 1913, coined the term lipoid nephrosis because he saw fat bodies in the urine and fatty changes in the tubules of patients at autopsy. He and others at the time thought the disease was that of tubules with abnormal lipid metabolism leading to the nephrotic syndrome because there were no significant glomerular changes by light microscopy. In 1956, a couple of things happened. Dr. Pirani, my mentor, saw a biopsy that he interpreted as essentially normal renal tissue. And when he told the physician that, the physician was quite surprised. He was taken back and the physician told Dr. Prani that the patient couldn't have a normal kidney since it was losing 10 grams of proteinuria per day. In that same year, an investigator using transmission electron microscopy demonstrated endothelial fenestra in the glomeruli. Remember that the most fenestrated endothelium in the body is the glomerular endothelial cells. But most of the audience thought that this finding was an artifact that kind of reminds me of what happened to Galileo in 1610 when he was trying to convince unbelievers that what was seen through the telescope was real and not an artifact. In 1957, the first observation of ultrastructural changes in the human glomerular disease was by Farquhar, Vernier, and Good, as they were looking at nephrosis as distinguished from nephritis, other forms of glomerular nephritis, and lupus. In that same year, Conrad Pirani and colleagues in Chicago 
submitted a paper to The Lancet describing a kidney with no obvious light microscopic changes, although the patient had idiopathic nephrotic syndrome. They studied seven glomeruli by EM, all showing effacement of glomerular visceral epithelial cell foot processes, lipoid nephrosis. The patient was then treated with steroids using five glomeruli, which showed complete resolution of the foot processes after steroid therapy. This was the first time that had ever happened. The reviewers for The Lancet rejected the paper outright, indicating that the number of glomeruli studied was insufficient. The reviewers at the Annals of Internal Medicine were more generous and published this seminal article. Since then, EM has been used in virtually all renal biopsies, and studies have shown that EM changes the diagnosis, the prognosis, the treatment in over 20 to 30 percent of cases. The EM certainly clarified the complex normal structure of the kidney, the glomerulus, and others. And Dr. Prani stated that the EM helps us better understand what it is that we see by light microscopy. Thus, the major use of the TEM is in renal disease. The reason we picked Ernst Ruschka as the point person for the electron microscope is that in 1986, he shared the Nobel Prize with two other investigators who developed the scanning tunnel microscope. Dr. Ruska died two years later after being presented the Nobel Prize, and I guess it's better late than never. His work was done for generations of future patients who will never know about him. I will end with one of his quotes a couple of years before he died. The light microscope opened the first gate to microcosm. The electron microscope opened the second gate to microcosm. What will we find opening the third gate? Ernst Gruschka, 1985.